Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. This is a rainy Sunday. <laughs> glory, glory, glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All right. Um, we're going to get into the Word this morning. And I believe that God has a good plan for us. And a great plan. And um, as we learn the Word of God, and as we learn to feed on the Word, one of the things that happens is faith begins to rise up on the inside of us, and we begin to have the courage to apply ourselves to the things that God wants us to apply ourselves to. Amen. All right, can you hear me clearly? Everyone, can you hear me clearly? All right, say amen if you can. Okay, praise God. Let's pray, let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together, faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your Word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. This Sunday and next, I want to share on what I call Anakagzo, Compelling Soul Winning and Church Growth. Now, the word Anakagzo, it's, it's a Greek word for compel. You know what it means to compel. But of, of late, the Lord has been putting this thought in my heart. And um, I just want to share that with you. Let's go to the story in Luke chapter 4, 14 and verse 16. Luke chapter 14 and verse 16. The parables of Jesus and the stories that Jesus shares with us in the scriptures helps us to understand the heart of God. Helps us to understand the heart of God. And it's important for us that as believers, we are concerned about the heart of God. You know, why we need all the great things from God and all the good things from God, it's also very important for us to understand that God has a desire, God has an aim, or God has a purpose. For the whole earth and for everyone on the earth. And that desire should be what pushes us as Christians in our worship of God. You know, our worship of God shouldn't just be based on what we can get from God. Praise the name of the Lord. Our worship of God shouldn't just be based on what we can get from God. Our worship of God should actually be prompted by how useful we can be to the purposes of God, to the plan of God, 
and to the agenda of God on the whole earth. Let's first of all go back to First Timothy chapter two. I want to show you something there. First Timothy chapter two, and um, we're going to read from verse one, and we will stop at verse four. First Timothy chapter two, from verse one and verse four, and then we'll go back to Luke chapter fourteen. It says, first of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanks given be made on behalf of how many men? I didn't hear that. On behalf of how many men? All men. What does God want us to do on behalf of all men? To pray. To pray. How many of you don't raise your hand. But how many of you in the last one week has prayed for the salvation of someone other than your family member? Because it's easy for us to pray for our family members that are not saved. So the, the, the heart of God is that a believer should pray for all men to be saved. Now, go to verse 2. For kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. You know, there are Christians who are fond of insulting the presidents. <laughs> it's a very ungodly thing to do. The, what you owe the president of your nation is intercession. It's prayers. Someone say, eh, but he's not doing the right thing. Yes, you are also not doing the right thing by the insults. And uh, I must say this, right? As a spiritual leader, I, I do not think it might be appropriate to say um, you should vote for this person or vote for that person. I think everybody who is of a voting age should have enough sense to know who to vote for. <laughs> a pastor wrote something, he says, I would have allowed you to vote who your conscience says you should vote for, but I don't trust your conscience. So, so please vote for this person. Uh, but I'm seeing a lot of believers actually put their hope that if a certain candidate comes up, then everything is going to be alright. You, you need to be careful of that. You need to be careful of that. And the reason is because the child of God primarily take my mic down a little bit. The child of God primarily his hope for a good life is based on the word of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All men are still the best of all men. So we, we, mustn't, we mustn't have another savior apart from Jesus. And you need to watch it. It's a very thin line. Because that's what breeds disappointment. Of course, there are people in the natural that will be better candidates than others given. But the believer must be conscious that beyond who governs, number one, our hope, good world, is based on the word of God. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? And our faith for a better nation is based on God's word. Because man is still man. Praise the name of the Lord. All right. So, let's read on. First Timothy. It says, verse 3, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Look at number 4, verse 4. Who desires how many men? I didn't hear that. How many men? All men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants all men saved. This is God's desire. This is God's desire. And God's desire must become our desire. You know, many of us have many ambitions in life. Very noble ambitions. I had a friend in school who always wanted to be the accountant general of the federation. I don't know where he is now, but um, he's not there yet. But hopefully, God will help him. Right? It's a very good ambition. Some want to be the first female to ever plant flowers. Very fantastic ambition. It's, it's unfortunate that sometimes when you ask Christians what is their overriding goal in life, Many do not factor the Great Commission. We, we are entering another year now. If you ask a lot of believers, what's your goal for the next year? They are going to have fantastic goals. I want to love my husband more. I want to love my children more. I want to look after myself. I want to lose weight. I want these pimples in my face, clear face. I don't want to enter next year with spots and wrinkles. I want to read more books. I want to rise in my career. Do you have soul winning goals? Do you have goals in line with God's desire that all men be saved? Do you have goals in line with the fact that many need to come to the knowledge of the truth of God's word? Do you have those goals? Or these are just pastoral goals? It's for pastor. God did not call me. You know, there are many of you who run from the pastoral office like, <laughs> like there is one, one thing on it. Do you have these goals? This is God's desire. He says, God desires that all men be saved. Even as a church, do we have that desire that all be saved? Or we're just fine with programs upon programs. And sometimes when you look at our churches, it's programs for believers already. Open door seminar. You know, uh, double prosperity convention. Right? New level <laughs> apostolic commissioning service. Everything is just to bless the already blessed. Do we have the great commission in our hearts? Does it, does it um, affect the way we live our lives? This is God's desire. That all men be saved. Can we bring this desire to the forefront of our own personal desire? When you look at people who are not born again, what goes through your mind? Unfortunately, we have also raised a church that is envious of unbelievers. And you need to read the book of Psalms, what David said. He says, I was envious of those who were wicked and were prospering until I saw their end. God took him to the temple until I saw their end. We have almost raised a church that is envious of unbelievers. 
And believers don't have a problem with having unbelievers as friends without witnessing to them. Your best friend might not be born again. And there's nothing in your heart that touches you. You will even be saying, he's even better than some Christian brothers I know. <laughs> when you walk through places where people are committing sin, what breaks in your heart? When last did you consciously tell someone about Jesus? When was the last time? Or you're just comfortable, right? Just get to heaven. You look around, say, uh, look at your wife. Because some of you actually think that uh, when you go there, you recognize your wife. So they'll be calling you. Hey, come, come. Say, I'm looking for, for sweetie. <laughs> and God said, you have carried that nonsense here again. My friend, you know, some of you just think that. So when you just see your wife, say, you made it, say, yeah, thank God. What about Junior? Did he make it too? Say, yeah, I say, we're fine. The rest of the world can go to hell as far as we made it. When last did you share Jesus with someone? Are you so envious of unbelievers right now that you want what they want? Even if their soul is damned, you don't have a problem. When last were you persecuted for sharing the faith? You know, the disciples, they were flogged for preaching. They were flogged. And the scripture says they counted it a thing of joy that they would suffer for the Lord. It says God desires, I want you to see the desire of God, that all men be saved and that they will come to the knowledge of the truth. That means they will be discipled, they will be taught the word of God. Today in our growth class, we talked about Bible interpretation. The, the need to be taught the Word of God accurately. When you even see Christians who are not taught the Word of God, does something break in your heart? With all that Christ has done for us, you still see people laboring under false doctrines that will never mature them. Praise the name of the Lord. That will never mature them. I want to stir your heart in these two Sundays to begin to factor the Great Commission into your life again. To factor soul winning into your plans and your purpose and your budget. That there is a lost world out there that needs to be reached. Let's read some more scriptures. Hallelujah. Are you still here? Say amen if you're here. Alright, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. Genesis 1, 28. Very popular verse of scripture. It says, uh, verse 26. Then God said, let us man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image in the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. God blessed them and says, be fruitful and multiply. Now we understand that God created man in his image. And this is the original intention of God. And man fell, you know, by subjecting himself, himself 
or themselves to Satan and they were driven out of the garden. And from that day up until today, God's eternal plan has been to do what? To redeem man. So this morning, I want to try to share with you on the what of a soul. What's the what of a soul? What does a soul worth in the eyes of God? You know, for our ladies that wear gold, there are sev- several characters, all right? So 24, 44, 54, 64, 100, whatever. And the more, the more expensive it is. That's the value. That's why you don't place your gold everywhere. Your children can lay hold on it. You know, when you see a woman puts her earrings on top of the table, know that that one that you have seen on top of the table is not the real one. That's why when robbers come, they will ask you, where did you keep it? Because they know that no genuine woman will just put... <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying? Some have hidden their gold and have, have hidden it so much you don't even know where they kept it anymore. But whatever is of value to you will be hidden. It don't just be lying out there. It don't just be placed there so the kids can play with it. God values the human soul. Nothing in this world compares to the soul of the human being in the eyes of God. And in Philippians chapter 2 verse 6, we read something. Philippians 2 6 about Jesus. Why did Jesus die? Why did he come? And, and, and if we don't have any value for soul, we will not be pushed to witness. We will not be driven to see that souls are redeemed. Philippians chapter 2 and uh, verse 6. Talking about the same attitude that was in Jesus. Verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves. Which also was also in Christ Jesus. Who, although, look at this. He existed in the form of God. Did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But emptied himself. Taking the form of a bond servant. And being made in the likeness of man. Being found in an appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. This is the worth of a soul in the eyes of God. That Jesus did not consider himself as God, as something to hold on to. But he emptied himself and came on the earth and took the form of a man, even being obedient to the point of death to redeem man. Look at the price Jesus had to pay for us to be redeemed. If you were God, would you lose all of that? Would you empty yourself to come and redeem a man that was disobedient to you? You know, one of the things that I've had in our hearts towards sinners is some of the theologies and the doctrines that have come out of the pulpit where we see people as enemies and we don't mind them dying so we can get a promotion. We don't mind them dying so we can buy a new car. We don't mind them dying. And so that hardens our hearts to their salvation. 
The time has come for the church of Jesus Christ to stop boasting in cars, in houses, in money, and start boasting in souls. Start boasting in the fact that we are discipling people, lives are being transformed, character is being changed. It's not so much about what you earn in this life. It's not so much about what you possess in this life. It's about helping the desire of God to come to pass. Because no, no angel can preach the gospel. No spirit can preach the gospel. If we don't preach the gospel, the gospel will remain unpreached. Who are you discipling? You, you, you were coming to church this morning. Who was in your heart to bring to church? Who are you dragging to serve God? You, you, as a believer, you should have someone in your life that you're actively discipling. You should. If you have a new believer you're bringing up, you should have converts that you've won to the Lord. You see, this thing about Christianity is not just about how to excite ourselves in the church of God. There is a lost world out there that needs Christ. There are young people hooked on drugs that needs to be reached with the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have the great commission in your heart, in your plans? Or you're just waiting for the next breakthrough to come. Or you're just waiting for the next, whatever it's called, to come. John chapter 3 verse 16. How many of you know what is in John 3 16? <laughs> Can you tell me? What's in John 3 16? Say it now. Are you serious? <laughs> we will check for your salvation card. John chapter 3 verse 16. Can you say it? For God so... For God so do what? Can you think about that? How many of you so love ice cream? Let me see your hand. Raise it. Don't worry. You are not, you are not under condemnation. Raise it with boldness. How many of you so love ice cream? That you gave your only last money to buy ice cream. How many of you so love suya? Only you like ice cream. Only you like suya. Okay. How many of you so love pandediam? Ah, it's like you were waiting for that. <laughs> How many of you so love to travel abroad? In the old church. <laughs> who, will, who will be? My man, put your hand down. <laughs> but you see, anything you so love, what's going to be the next action? You'll give up something for it. When you get married, one of the things they teach you in marriage counseling is to find out what your wife loves. So, some authors by the name of Gary Chapman or some other psychologists have called it what? Love languages, right? And they said there are five love languages. What are the five love languages? Gifts. What's that? Communication. And what again? Atmosphere. What's that? Act of service. What's the th fourth one? Words of affirmation. What's the fifth one? Time. Quality time. 
quality time. My church is full of marriage counselors. <laughs> okay. My own love languages allow me just preach and travel. <laughs> okay, but let's understand that. Now, if you find out that your wife loves uh, gifts, right? If you find that your wife loves gifts and you are doing acts of service, what do you think your wife will think of you? Do you think she will be happy? Do you think she will be happy? Alright. Some of you are not sure. Okay. If your wife loves acts of service or words of affirmation, right? I think there's words of affirmation. Your wife, every time, say, I love you. I love you. You can't say, I, when we were married, I told you I love you. Until I change it, it's the same. No, you have to say that every morning. You say that every night. Say that every... <laughs> and there are some of you in your house, once you say I love you twice, your wife will say, what do you want? <laughs> Go straight to the point. You know, there's a problem because you don't say that all the time. Now, what I'm trying to say is that everybody has what the, their love language is or what they love. I love to preach. I love to travel. I love to just go places, preach the word. I love to pastor. I'll do anything to do these things. Now, we have found out what God loves. He loves the world. God loves the people in the world. God's love language is bringing salvation to all men. That's why heaven rejoices when a soul is won. How many of you know heaven doesn't rejoice when other things happen except a soul is won? Because that's God's gain. See, every, everything that happens in your life is your gain. The only thing that God gains from your life is if you bring salvation to others. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, church, are you hearing what I'm saying? This is God's love language. And every believer needs to be active on this love language. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Look at how much sacrifice God had to make. I want us to think about salvation again because most times we don't give a thought to it. The only Son God had had to sacrifice Him for our redemption. How would you feel if you had to give your only son, right, to redeem somebody that does not like you? Somebody that insults you. Somebody that goes against your will. It's like sacrificing your son for your own enemy. It says, why we were yet seen as Christ died for us, that we will be reconciled to God. So, Jesus did not die for us because we were good. Jesus did not die for us because we were nice. No, he died for us because we were God's enemies. Does this move us to reconsider our priorities as children of God? You know, growing up, you had where people say, okay, every Saturday we will go out for evangelism, right? And they will pair you with someone else. So as you got born again and got into the church, they trained you to reach out to souls. You went out, went to preach. They paired you with someone from door to door, from house to house. You know, gradually we begin to replace all of those things with self-consuming Christianity. 
Because reaching out to souls is going to cost us something. For some of us, it will cost us our reputation. Whatever we consider our reputation is. How can I be preaching? Hmm? And some of us find it difficult to preach because we actually got born again because problem drove us to church. So it's almost like you use the back door. Right? Come to Jesus Christ. Whatever you have will be solved. And I've, to- I've explained that to you for this cause, that that's not the gospel. And so now, you don't even know how to preach the gospel because you never really heard the gospel. God is big on sinners coming back to Him. That's all God wants to see. That's all God wants to see. And we must make that our passion. We must make that our goal. We must be actively in pursuit of that goal. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, let's read another scripture. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. God's love language is that souls will come to Him. Is that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's God's love language. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. We were purchased with with the blood of God himself. That's how much it took God for us to be made righteous. That's how much it took God for us to be able to come to him and be his sons and daughters. That's the sacrifice God had to do. And have you watched the Passion? The Passion movie, right? Passion of Christ. Zimel Gibson. Have you watched it? Yeah, try and watch it if you haven't. That's the closest that's the closest description of what Jesus went through on the cross. The prophet Isaiah said he was beaten beyond recognition. You know, Jesus was not beaten as a savior. They didn't beat him. You know, like when they were flogging him, they said, take care of his, his Jesus. You know, you know, there's a way you beat it, an honorable man. No, Jesus was beaten like a criminal. He was beaten like a traitor. In fact, uh, an option was given for a thief to be exchanged for him, and they chose the thief. So Jesus was not flogged casually. No, the Jews didn't deal casually with such people. That's why Jesus was crucified among two thieves. He wasn't crucified with, you know, respect. Say, I raise him gently. He's he's our risen Savior. No. The cross Jesus was carrying was so heavy, he came under the weight of it many times until Simon of Cyrene was asked to help him. They flogged him. Man, they flogged him beyond recognition. You know, some, I've seen people do that a lot. They've got this fancy picture of Jesus on the cross looking like this and has one small white 
wrapper around his that's very nice that kind of picture wouldn't have saved you looking like <laughs> I was taking selfie on the cross that's a, and, and that's why you must be careful of artistic representations of scriptural truth because most artists just try to use the figments of their imagination to draw but if you read the scriptures you would realize that Jesus was mangled beyond recognition He was beaten beyond recognition. Was beaten to the extent he cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You, <laughs> that was not, that was a cry of desperation. So when you see that picture of Jesus on the cross, it has no resemblance. To what actually happened. To what actually transpired. The crown of thorns were placed on his head. Until there were drops of blood. That came out of him. So they were not just nice. You know two little drops of blood. Like, like makeup. Just one year. One year. And your Jesus still looks very nice. If you have those pictures. Throw them away. They have zero representation to what actually happened in the cross. On the cross. That's the extent God went to redeem us. And for, for, for us to reach out to people, just the little inconvenience, let me use that word, we cannot bear. Just to pick up our phone and follow up someone, oh, it's so much a sacrifice. I'm hoping that in these two services, God will take the words that I'm speaking over you and put it as a seed in your heart that the Great Commission will come to the forefront. God wants all men saved. And He went a whole extent to get men to be saved. We should not stop. Nothing should stop us. From reaching out to men again. There are many people who need to be reached with the gospel of our Lord Jesus. It should become the driving um, force of a believer. You know, I, you know I, like I was talking about the political campaigns. You can see how people can mobilize themselves for a cause. How people can mobilize themselves for what concerns them. How much... People can sacrifice to get what they want in life. Do we, do we make such sacrifice for the gospel? Or we are just content. Oh, well, I'll be back here on Wednesday. I'll be back here on Sunday. I'll be back here on Wednesday. And that's all. Look at Mark chapter 6. Sorry. Mark chapter 8 verse 36. Are you still here? I didn't hear you. Are you still here? Say amen if you're here. Alright. Mark chapter 8. This should bless you. This should bless you. God wants us concerned. You know, every time in ministry I pray that God always keep my heart where your heart is. 
So that ministry does not just become a platform for fame, a platform for popularity, a platform to just, you know, just be one of the big boys in the Christian circle. No. No. A thousand times no. You know, you can, you can use the, the, the scripture, James calls it the madness of the prophet. Talking about Balaam. You know, Balaam was a prophet who God really actually spoke to. The Bible says he loved the wages of unrighteousness. And he went to curse the people of God. Because Balak promised I was going to give him a lot of money. You know, sometimes as the Lord begins to bless you and as a lot of money begins to come into your life, if you're not careful, you begin to chase things. You keep chasing. You move from one project to another. One project to another. One project to another. One project to another. You keep chasing. Keep chasing. Keep chasing. Keep chasing. <laughs> Always be conscious that there is a great plan that God has. And we shouldn't have empty chairs in church. We shouldn't. Everybody should have a commitment to get the church filled. Should be your commitment. You know, sometimes we can know so much and we're just arguing among ourselves what is correct, what is not correct. Meanwhile, there are people out there dying. Have never heard of the gospel. There was a missionary who went to the Amazon jungle in those days. And then they used to kill people. especially strangers. And he went there and he was killed. And the report came to his wife. And the wife took the children was headed there. And he asked her, why are you doing that? He said, it was love that led my husband to go to that place and to preach to them. And they haven't received the gospel. See, that same love compels and constrains us. That same love compels and constrains us. You know, Paul said to himself, Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. How do you feel if you don't preach the gospel? Do you actually think that this gospel is worth people hearing? Do you think more people need to hear what you have heard? You know, something very interesting happened and I was laughing. But I really appreciate the zeal that the brother had. I saw a brother advertise a book online. Something I think I should read. So I ordered for the book. So I was, you know... Um, conversing with him how to get the book and everything he now said I have something that would really really bless you well if it doesn't bless you you can throw it away and everything I want to add you to a channel my pastor's messages and he just loaded me with all of his pastor's messages well the pastor is someone I know teaches well but I, I, I like the fact that whilst he was selling his products he was conscious of reaching out. 
You see, let's not be so blinded by our personal comforts. Many people do not have the truth. There are many people who just go to church and their life is far from those who even go to church. We should reach out to them. Praise the name of the Lord. You see, around you, create, create a lifestyle that everybody around you would receive the gospel. You see, one of the things that have made us low on preaching the gospel is we've, we've, um, we've, we, we are now living a life where it's about liberality, right? What's good for you? Is it okay? You want to be homosexual? Where well, I cannot judge you. If God created you as a woman, you say you are a man. Hmm. It's your life. It's my life. Alright? No problem. And you know right now, there are laws, not laws yet, but there are activist groups pushing very strongly that children should be taught about homosexuality very early so they can decide uh, the agenda. Uh, uh, Do you know that? Okay. No, now, if you say, oh, I don't know, you have known. Right. So you see people sit down and people take it upon themselves that let, let's push, let's push that children should be taught. So imagine your five year old in class is being taught you can decide to be a woman or you can decide to be a man. Say, which one do you choose? Say, mm, man. Okay. And, 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 you know what we do? We sit back and say, this world, hey, I don't know where we are going, oh Jesus. Come quickly. He's not showing up. You see, we almost teach the rapture like it's a shortcut for us to avoid evil. You are here. You will be here. You are the light of the... What are you doing about it? How, how proactive are you about the gospel? You think all those people doing evils are going to sit down? And you know, I keep saying it here. Few years ago, if you had a homosexual scene, um, homosexual scene, right, in a movie, it was rare. Even you say, ah, what is this? Now you are comfortable. Hmm. You people, you people know what you are doing, no? Just be doing. Before you know, your conscience, it doesn't bother you anymore. Those of you who watch Premier League see that all the captain's handband has been changed to rainbow color, right? To say we all accept everybody. All the captains, take a club. Everybody's wearing rainbow. And you know that rainbow is actually a symbol of God's covenant. Not to destroy the earth. They have rainbow color for homosexuality now. They've seized it from us. And we'll just keep watching. We wish God would do something. He's doing nothing. You know, permit my use of words and don't be offended. But, you know, Christians sometimes are the most... Let me not use that. I don't think it's a good word to use. But Well, I can't actually say that. You know, sometimes we act like cowards. Sorry. We get pushed around. We get pushed around. Our convictions are not strong. We get pushed around. 
This religion will come, will push us this way. That religion will come, will push us this way. I'm not saying we should fight in the natural, but we're not convinced of anything. It's Christians who would walk on a Sunday morning and they won't say anything about it. Why Muslims, they will not touch their work time? It is you that has to walk on a Sunday morning. It is you that will fix appointment on a Sunday morning. It is you that the father-in-law will come on a Sunday morning and you cannot go to church because you want to be a good wife. And there are people walking around the clock. Look at what the scripture says. Put up that scripture for me, Mark. Look at it. Look at it. Put it up for me. Mark chapter 8. Verse 36. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? We can't preach anymore. Write something about Jesus on the internet. The whole world will come after you. But just write something very stupid. What's going to happen? Oh, they'll like you. And we are afraid. And you know what we tell ourselves? Yeah, if you tell them about Jesus, they will run away from you. So you have to use time. Tell them about the Jewish man. And, and that's why Christians, have, even pastors, have turned motivational speakers. See, it's the preaching of the cross that sounds foolish that brings salvation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We can't be cowards with our faith. We can't be cowards with our faith. Nobody knows you're a Christian. Nobody knows you're a Christian. You can't share your faith. And we are sitting in a world that is constantly pushing us back. Cartoons right now. You know, I, you know I mean, thank God for my wife. I always tell her, watch all the cartoons that these kids are watching. Because I, I don't even have that energy to sit down to now be watching caricature, chasing themselves, chasing themselves, chasing themselves. <laughs> right? But if you watch our cartoons, what's happening? They're infusing those things into them. There is a world out there so deliberate about pushing darkness. And we are just sitting. What will be, will be. God will judge all of you. See, wicked people. And God is watching you. God cannot preach the gospel. He has put that responsibility on our hands. Even as a Christian uh, businessman, what are you funding? What are you pushing? Where is your money where the gospel is concerned? There's a dark world out there. You know, we, we were like that in those days. I don't know. I mean, when I say in those days, some people think we we're very old. But I mean, the world is changing so rapidly, right? Like in two, three years, a lot of things have changed. But remember... Just at the brink of 2000. We didn't hear of cults in secondary schools. Yeah? Am I right? There were no cults. I mean, you just had few, three stubborn people. This, all, the whole school knew the stubborn boys that would not graduate. And stubborn in the terms of they didn't respect teachers, they fought, and of course. But today you go to schools, secondary schools, and they are cults. Their courts. That secondary school students are driving teachers out of the class. In those days, it was teachers driving. So now you can see your teacher running and be, be asking for mercy from the students. 
And you know, we hear all these things and we just, we say, oh, it's a problem of society. No, no, it's not the problem of the society. My, my friend pastors a church in Holland and he tells how the young people don't want to come to church. Practically in Europe right now, you have three generations who have never been to church. Father never been to church, son never been to church, the grandchild never been to church. Some of the greatest revivals in this world took place in, in, in the UK. Wales, Scotland, Britain. And go to all those places right now. Some churches have been bought over and used as museums. Because nothing advances without being aggressive. Nothing pushes forward. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If we sit and fold our hands, we will be run over. We have to reach out. We have to form the gospel. These are not the days we should be talking of, I paid my tithe and that's okay. It's there somewhere to go and preach. It's there something to do to get the message out. Let's put the message out there. There is a lost and a dying world that needs the gospel and Christians cannot be cowards where this is concerned. can't be cowards. We can't seal our lips. We can't keep our mouth shut. If we do, our children are not even safe. Our children are not safe. Look at all the mothers for our children today. What are all the mothers for our children today? Musicians. Hmm? And you know Christians can be gullible. One musician would just say, I have repented. Uh, they would just put Jesus. And then we were all just, because even we were not even sure, they would give him mic. So this believer, this secular musician, somebody that should be in foundation school, learning doctrine. <laughs> Are you still here? Are you learning something this morning? John chapter 4, I'll show you something here. Just want to stay your mind. John chapter 4. So winning. John chapter 4. What prize will it take us? What is, what is so winning in your budget? What is so winning in your budget? What is so winning in your time? Financial budget, time. Right? What is so winning? Do you have a budget for that? Do you have a time for that? What do you think it would be so good if every one of us could bring someone to church that we are discipling? Some of you are helping people to go to school. You're paying people school fees, helping your uncles, helping your aunties, which is brilliant, which is good, you should do. You've never talked to them about salvation. Never shared the gospel with them. Who will you preach to this week? Who will you share the gospel with this week? None of us is exempted from this task. Look at this. Uh, I said you should turn to what? John chapter what? 
before. How many of you know the story of the woman at the well? Right? The Samaritan woman. Now, do you realize, let me just say this quickly. Do you realize why the woman was surprised Jesus was talking, talking with her? The Jews and the Samaritans were quarreling. They, 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 they were not in good terms. Right? So, imagine she had, he, Jesus had to cross that barrier. That's why when the disciples came, they were surprised that Jesus was speaking to the Samaritan woman. But there's something I want you to see about the life of Jesus, not the story of the Samaritan woman. There's something I want you to see about the life of Jesus. Look at this. Verse, uh, let's go to verse 5. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. Look at this. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting by the well. Jesus was tired. You see, Jesus on this earth walked as a man. He was wearied. You know, it wasn't like they were using transport everywhere they went to preach. They were literally working. Jesus was tired. But when this woman came, verse 7, and Jesus, there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. When this woman came and, and, and Jesus saw the need for this woman to receive the gospel, what happened? Strength came and Jesus engaged this woman. Preach to this woman. If you are tired, will you preach? Eh? Jesus was tired. That's why he sat by the way and he sent his disciples to buy food. So he was very tired. Imagine you are tired. You have sent your child to buy food. You now see somebody who needs to be preached to. See, let me eat. It's somebody that is alive that we preach. I want you to see the passion that Jesus himself carried for a soul. And this woman was a woman who's got five husbands at home. She was, she was almost a harlot or a prostitute, if you want to use those words. When you see that lady in your compound who lives this kind of lifestyle, what's your approach? Is there a burden in your heart? Let's read something. You know the whole story, right? How you engage the woman. Go to verse 30. They went out of the city and were coming to him. So uh, the woman left her water port, went into the city and said to the men, you know, and the men listened to her. This woman brought more men to Christ than some of us who have been born, in, who have been born again for several years. That's why, you, let me tell you something. When people get born again, right, at first, there is a passion to go and win souls. But you know what happened? After you have sat in church... They have now taught you the blessings you can get from God. How God wants to prosper you. Seven keys to favor. Eighty-nine keys to the next level. You just say, wow, wow. I need the next level. Before you finish those eighty-nine keys, ten years of Christianity, you have never won a soul. That's how you realize that most people, if you look at your own life, the first one year that you were born again, you would see that sometimes you were more beneficial to, to the kingdom and advancing the kingdom. You wanted people to hear the good news. You reached out. Some of you were so happy. You devoured the Bible. You read the Bible. But now you are so matured. You just lift money. The man upstairs will glorify you. You are matured, you are matured now. You can't read the Bible. What's, how are you reading the Bible? You are matured. Hmm? 
You, you, you are so matured in your work now that God is not using you anymore. You are the one using God. So, you are preparing for next day. You have written ten things you want God to do for you. Number one, a new car. Number two, a new wife. <laughs> Number three, new children. <laughs> Number four, new house. You have told God that this year you are not, you are not joking. He should just make, because if he does not do it, you are not going to serve him. You are the one giving God quick notice. You are the one threatening God. And then you have at nine people you want to kill. Anyone who says, I will not smile in 2023, die by fire. You have like 17 names on your CIA watch list. And you see your life. See your life. See your Christian life. What God will do for you and who you will kill. That is it. Your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What God will do for you. Your left hand is killing hand. Let nobody touch the anointed and do it perfect. Nobody should make you angry in this life. If not, you will do two days dry fasting and wipe them out. You have studied curses to release. And, and you are a Christian. You are a Christian. Oh, you are a very good one. Very dedicated. But when it comes to advancement of the kingdom, nothing is marked against your name. Because everything about this Christianity thing is about you. Do we even inconvenience ourselves for the sake of God? You know it rained heavily today. And you can look all around us, see the empty chairs. But you know if this rain fell on a Monday morning, would you see an empty company? Let's be honest. Would you see an empty company? We'll still go to work. We will find a way, but it's church. Can go next Sunday. Even this Anakagzu, the other day, I don't know what is Anakagzu. Anakagzu, like the big word. <laughs> See, maybe that's why rain is falling. I'm telling you, look at, look at the church. Praise the name of the Lord. Can you inconvenience yourself? Jesus was tired, was hungry, but saw this woman and began to preach. Then look at this. Verse what? Verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. They were begging him to eat. They were begging him. That means he was very hungry. They were begging him. Master, eat. Look at it. He says, but he said to them, I have food to eat. That you do not know about. He, he, he was talking about the joy of fulfilling these mandates. Would getting souls into the kingdom satisfy you more than natural food? When you disciple someone, when you reach out to someone, when you preach the gospel, would it, would it, would it satisfy you? Can you forsake food to reach out to someone? And by the time you go out and reach out to them, you just realize, oh, I'm so satisfied. I don't know how true it is, but I read it about Isaac Newton, that there were times his lab assistant would bring food, and he would be walking in the lab, and he would think that he has eaten. He would keep walking and walking and walking and walking. That food would get cold to bring another food. See, when you, when you 
when you are passionate about something, how many of you understand what I'm talking about? It will satisfy you. Hmm? Some of you, when they are playing football, you, you don't like them to bring food close to you because you have food that your wife knows know not of. There's satisfaction. Do we derive satisfaction from reaching out? You see, this is why God is trusting us with the gospel. The mess church is not for you alone. It's for you to spread them. To reach out to people who need the truth of God's word. Don't be a selfish Christian. God has prospered you. What is the person you're giving to the gospel to ensure that the gospel is, 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 reach, uh, is reaching out to people? Praise the name of the Lord. Look at this. Let's read on. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat. Did he? You know, disciples were very funny. They didn't understand a lot of things. Jesus said to them, what is my food? My food. Come on, everyone. Let's read it together. I want to go. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish this work. Oh, dear Jesus. Look at the food of Jesus. To do the will of him who sent me. And I like this word. And to accomplish it. Uh, the, the king says, and to finish it. To accomplish it. This should be food to the believer. To finish his work. This should be food to the believer. The food to the believer should be, hey, more outreaches. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is nothing in this world that should be compared to a soul. In your eyes. See, that brother that is stubborn, that child that is, that is not born again, that lady that you know that's not born again, your food should be to reach, reach out to them. Share the gospel with them. I want us to catch a vision of God's mission for our life. We are entering another year. Set target, soul winning target, giving target to the gospel, advancing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's read on. It says, do, do you not say, there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? It says, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They are white for harvest. One of the things that makes us not to win souls is procrastination. I will do it. I will do it. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. It says, you, you see, you say there are four months. It says, lift up your eyes. It says, all around you is harvest. All around you is harvest. All around us is harvest. Praise God. All around us is harvest. What sacrifices are we making to ensure that people receive the good news? What sacrifices are we making? Psalm 8 verse 4 says, Who is man that you are mindful of him? You know, the angels couldn't understand. The angels couldn't understand. One of the things you should pray for is that God will give you a burden for souls. See souls the way God sees them. Look at people the way God sees them. You know, I, I like to preach the gospel. I like to teach the gospel. You know, sometimes it's not very inconvenient. It's not very convenient 
force. You know, I, I've had some people travel with me when I travel sometimes. And you know, sometimes when you say, oh, pastor, I've gone there to preach. You know, some people feel, ah, he's enjoying, pastor is enjoying, he's just traveling everywhere. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's not convenient. Sometimes it's not convenient for us financially. Because we have to use our own money to pay our way. In fact, like I was telling someone the other day, out of the hundred places that I preach, 99 of those places I pay my own way to go preach. That's the truth. 99% of the places I pay my own way to go preach. Whether it's in Europe, whether it's in America, wherever I go to preach, 99% of the time I pay my own way to go preach there. And I can as well use those monies for myself and my family, build something, have property somewhere. We can do that. Buy more shoes, buy more clothes, get a better car. I can do that. But I choose not to. I choose to put it... I mean, 80% of our income, home income, goes into the gospel. To preach. To reach out. Because the truth of the matter is that most of the people who want me to come teach them cannot afford to get me to where they are. Might not have the resource. There might be young churches coming up. But I have to go. Praise the name of the Lord. What inconvenience can you give yourself to preach the gospel? What inconvenience can you give yourself? Jesus, even though he was tired and wearied, sitting on this well, saw that woman and saw an opportunity. And he didn't let that opportunity go to, go to waste. Do you let opportunities go to waste when it comes to teaching the gospel? Praise the name of Jesus. A missionary to China and Thailand, a man by the name of Isabel Kuhn, said this, I believe that in each generation, God has called enough men and women to evangelize all the yet unreached tribes of the earth. It is not God who does not call. It is man who will not respond. It is not that God is not calling men. It is that men are not responding to the call. It's not that you don't feel the burden to share the gospel with someone. It's that you're not responding. I want us to be a church that is big on reaching the lost. I want us to be a church that is big on discipleship. And let me tell you, get serious with God. Get serious with God. Make up your mind that you're going to get serious with God. And I say this all the time. You know, most times, why a lot of us do not enjoy or really have this work with the Lord is because... We, 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 still, we still love the world a bit. So, it's, 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 it's carnality, right? That's what carnality is. A little bit of the world, a little bit of spirituality. A little bit of the world, a little bit of spirituality. A little bit of the world, a little bit of spirituality. And that's why you cannot preach. Because when you are with your friends, you will hit all the jams, hit all the jams, hit all the jams. They'll give you small thing to drink. Say, take a little wine. 
for your stomach sake, you will take one glass. Say, I don't drink too much. I'm a social drinker. I still drink and maintain my sense. Okay. You see that your wisdom has denied you from preaching. Why don't you just give up the word? The scripture says, if a man is a friend of this word, he's an enemy to God. Why don't you give up the word? You know, we make it look like Christianity, God prevented us from some things. Like, ah, if I was not born again. And you hear people say that all the time. This thing you have done to me. This thing you have done to me. If not that, ah, ah, in those days. And, and they miss it. They miss the days where they had anger like that of the gods. And you see Christians even will threaten their wife. If not that I have chosen to serve God. My first six girlfriends, you are not any happy. One of the best things that God can do for you is to open your eyes to the vanity of this world. That what you call pleasure will no longer be pleasure to you. Are you hearing this? When you hear a secular song, what goes on in your heart about the people who sang that song? About what's going on in their life? About where they will end up? Or you are already tapping your finger to the beat. Tapping your finger to the beat. Say, ha! Nah. When we used to be in the world. This is jams. Wow. <laughs> you, I don't know. I don't know. Do you feel sorry for the people behind those music? Is there a bigger picture in this life for you? Three of our churches covered by the flood. Totally covered. And uh, some of our members are some in the camps and all of that. And in one month, everything they've had in the farms gone. Properties gone. You know, in one of our churches, they lifted the sound system into the ceiling. And after three days, the whole place was taken over. Everything gone. People who had tears. Hmm? Everything gone. That's how vain life is. That's how vain it is. You know, I was just I was telling the pastors while I was encouraging them, I said, You see, God loves us enough. Because for God to destroy all of us in this world, I don't think it will take him anything. He will just let the flood be rising. You know, you can be running and running and running and running and running. <laughs> At that point, you will see, carry me, carry me. You, just, you know, when, because I interact with a lot of missionaries and some of these things happen, I see the vanity in the world. Everything. Everything gone. Somebody say, oh, but the government should have... What exactly? How far will they go? You would see in America, 
they'll tell you and they have all those fine names for their hurricanes Hurricane Katrina beautiful names with bad effects I'm just showing you why people need to hear the gospel you know our nation is not good with statistics right but it's been reported that over 600 people have died this fall and you know if they tell you 600 right so the question is are you more righteous than those people or you pray more or you sow more it's just because of your location it's because of your location it's because you're located here I think some of you heard of the Olam farms right over 20 million naira worth of rice products gone we pray that the owners have proper insurance and the government helps them but a month ago two months ago if you were the CEO of that farm I'm not sure anybody would be able to talk to you and in one month two months what I'm just what I'm trying to show you is you cannot give any exchange of your soul and that's why you've got to take your Christianity serious Take it serious. Take your work with God. Don't allow, don't allow anything to distract you. You know, I, I went to my friend's house in Abuja. I stayed in his house over the, the period I was there. And uh, so I told him, I said, oh, why, why don't we go to church in the morning and spend some time in prayer? And the first day we spent about three hours in prayer. The second day we spent about two hours in prayer. I mean, we just spent time in prayer. And when I was leaving, he told me something. He said, I'm glad you came. Say, you've just sparked something in my life and in my heart. Praise the name of the Lord. I pray that God will stir again in our hearts a passion for souls. Amen. If there's anything we need to pray about today, it's a burden for souls. Let's pray. Let's stand on our faith and let's pray. We're going to pray that God will give every one of us a burden for souls. Let God give every one of us a burden for souls. Let's lift up our voices and pray. Let's lift up our voices and pray that God will grant us, God will give us a burden for souls. Let's lift up our voices and pray that God will give us a burden for souls. God will give us a burden for souls. God will give us a burden for souls. Pastor Mary, God will give us a burden for souls. In the name of Jesus, lift your voice and begin to pray. Lift your voice and begin to pray. Let God give us a burden for souls. Pray for yourself that God will give you a burden for souls. We know you've been blessed by this telecast. To become a partner, please call plus 234-805-888-7575. Pastor Maxwell's messages are available in over a dozen books and a thousand audio and video formats. To purchase this title and other titles by Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, please call plus 234 805 
8888-7575 or send us an email office at pastormax.ng also available are free downloads from www.thepastormax.ng God bless you.